What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and you can hear me. Uh, I guess maybe see me a little bit, too, calling the Battle of Piney Woods tomorrow. Sam Houston taking on Stephen F., and that might be the last one for a while, as they called it today, the pause, as I was the MC for the Battle of the Piney Woods Coaches Luncheon, presented by Aramark and my good friend Don Sanders. It's fun to get together and break bread with both sides. Had a really good time with that. So myself, Randy McAvoy, and EPC are going to be calling that game on TV, on radio. It's going to be Adam Spillane and our friend Seth Payne. Now, we've got a Texas game, too, of course. Taking on the Chargers on Sunday, and we have got a lot of people we're going to talk to tonight. We're going to talk to Lovey Smith. Uh, Mark Vandermeer is going to join me, of course. We've got my keys and my predictions. We're also going to hear from Rex Burkhead. He's got a great event coming up on the 10th of October that you need to hear about. So we've got that. we got Roy Lopez doing a Drew's Dozen. We've got Haley Elwood, who's the Chargers team reporter, going to join us for Behind Enemy Sidelines with DP Sidhu. We got Houston Methodist Minutes on rib cartilage, which is one you really have got to listen to because Justin Herbert has been dealing with that quarterback for the Chargers. And I'll give you a little sneak peek. Just know that Justin Herbert isn't right. Just you have to wait till later in the show. But, man, we've got a lot for you. Now, I, I typically last few weeks this hasn't been, I don't know, um, earth-shattering information, I guess. The status report. Because Texans were relatively healthy. Other teams, we knew about players that were out, and so we gave you that information throughout the week. Shaquille Leonard with the Colts. Um, then Roquan Smith was kind of battling with something, but he played, and he played kind of awesome. Um, against the Broncos, there was no Justin Simmons. We knew that weeks ahead of time. The injury and status report for this one is long and kind of interesting. And it includes two players for the Texans out, Austin Deculus and Brevin Jordan. Deculus dealing with ankle. Both of them dealing with ankle injuries. Austin, I think, heard it earlier in practice this week, maybe late last week. Brevin, I think, has been hurt since the Colts game. They've been trying to fight through it, and it just got worse and worse. Now, he's out. Now, questionable on the Texans' side. Farrell Brown, Kurt Heinisch, Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Isaac Yadam. Those four questionable Farrell was a limited participant, but Heinish, Reeves, Maven, and Yadam, all full participants in practice today. So hopefully the arrow is pointing up for them, and we'll see uh, how Farrell is able to get through it because no Farrell, no Brevin. Yay. You can't bring up Jordan Akins. You've even got Mason Shrek still uh, in the uh, holster, if you will. But Adeculus Jordan out. The big one is this. Keenan Allen is going to miss his second straight game. Last year, Keen Allen played, Mike Williams didn't. This year, Mike Williams will play. Keen Allen won't. He is out dealing with that hamstring. Corey Lindsley has not practiced much this week. He was a limited participant on Wednesday, Thursday. He did not practice at all today. Knee slash not injury related slash rest. He is questionable. Donald Parham Jr., the tight end, is also questionable. But two names, Justin Herbert and J.C. Jackson, the corner, are in. There's no status next to their name. Now, as I said, Houston Methodist Minutes, a little bit later in the show, we're going to get into rib cartilage issues, what Justin Herbert is dealing with, and how difficult it is for him to be dealing with that issue. So how about that? Now, that's your injury report. 
and status report for the game on Sunday. The head man on the sidelines is Lovey Smith. Obviously, he'll be calling ball plays and making decisions on Sunday, and he sat down with Mark Vandermeer to discuss this one. Coach, you played these guys last year. A lot of talk about that outside the building. How much does that game have to do with this game, especially considering some of the changes along the lines, both lines, really? Yeah, well, we you have to look at history a little bit, too, and um, the Texans beat the Chargers last year. Not all of the same guys, of course, playing, but it's a new year. I don't know how much you carry over from that. For us, though, opportunity for us to play at home in front of outstanding fans that we know that's going to – you know, show up and be there supporting us. So um, it is different and a whole different set of uh, circumstances. But still, for us, circumstances of of, uh, we need to play better football and we have an opponent coming in. How much during the week do you work on specific things you want to do better from the last game versus game planning for this particular opponent? Our first, The first thing we do after game, we watch the video, then we go out on the field and, and go over corrections from the game. Then you move on to the next opponent. And that's our been doing that all my life for the most part. So we feel real good about that. That's why it's hard for me to, who did we play last week? But uh, I know who we're playing this week. Yeah. And uh, that's a whole new, different set of problems that they cause. Again, a lot of talk about Justin Herbert playing injured or whatever, but you're playing Justin Herbert, right? You get ready for yeah. the entire body of work here. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, that uh, hurt. You know, it's, it's, that can mean a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finished the Kansas City game. Yep. Uh, he played all of last week. So I assume he's healthy, ready to go. That's how we're looking at it. And uh, we have uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the game that's, that hasn't missed any time that's coming in this week. That's who we're getting ready for. All right. How about the Texans trying to run the ball even better? I know every week you've gotten a little bit better on the ground. What's it going to take this week, Coach? That same commitment to running it. It's going to take you know better blocking up front and everybody that has blocking responsibility. It's going to take our running backs running a little harder. We have to keep that commitment marked to running the football mm-hmm. uh, in certain times. And like I know we will, and um, hopefully we'll be better at it this week. I know you want to be better in the fourth quarter on offense. So do you practice a fourth quarter situation? How do you simulate that during the course of a week getting ready for a game? No, I, we have a, you know, we grind for two hours each day. It's what we do, you know. Um, and the simulation for that is how you finish each practice. It's just about a finish. Whenever the end, what's the ending? You want to be playing your, you know, practicing your best at the end, playing your best ball at the end of a game. Uh, but situations that come up at the end of the game, we're constantly, of course, practicing them. Well, you definitely practice special teams. We see it out there, and the dividends are being paid. Last week was a good performance. I know you need another big one this week with field position and such. Absolutely. It was an outstanding performance last week. To uh, And normally like a special team, they're either setting up the offense or setting up the defense, and uh, that's what uh, we're expecting Another one of those efforts. It really does take all three phases. A lot is talked about offense, defense, but those hidden yards come with special teams. You mentioned being at home in front of the fans, but what about being at home indoors in your building, in your home, really? Uh, well, you talk about it in your home. I think that's a big part of why we like to play home games. And we don't stay in a hotel the night before. I let the guys stay in there. What's their most comfortable bed? Mm-hmm. At home, and the rookies are a little different, all right. But most of our some of our veteran players, I want them in their most comfortable environment to get the best sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
meetings. We hold our meetings the night before here. We're not going out to a hotel, all of that. So I feel like we, we're putting the guys in the best frame of mind to play their best ball. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Anytime. All right, Mark, that's always fun getting a chance to break a little bread with Lovey Smith, get a little uh, inside information. I don't know. Not really getting any inside information. Well, just, he did give a little scoop there, I thought, with the team not required to stay at a hotel the night before the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's happened here, but yeah. maybe it has, and I just didn't know about it because I remember back in the day where they stayed and then where they stayed in the Kubiak era, mm-hmm. so I'm not really sure exactly how they were doing it in the O'Brien era. I had a lot of assumptions about it, but he trusts the veterans to take care of themselves, and you know he'll make accommodations for the rookies, of course, but it's interesting to me. I thought that was a little bit of a headline. Yeah, I hope it pans out and win. I just, mm-hmm. I don't even. This is one of those games where I don't care if it's three to two. I don't care if it's eighty three, eighty two. Of course not. It does. It doesn't matter. Win. Just whatever, whatever the win may come. Let's let's take it. To that end, how do you think Texans get a win? What has to happen? What's a must? This must happen. For there to be a win. I don't think you can win a turnover fest. I don't think you can cough it up twice again and expect to win. You know, and I obviously everyone's going to be focused on Pierce and fumbles because the tip balls are tip balls, right? right they right. happen. They don't happen, whatever. Pierce fumbling, and that's the same kind of thing, I guess, but he's got to take better care of the rock. At the same time, he's your best offensive player right now. I mean, I still think Cooks is the best, but he just hasn't produced this year. And again, it's not just a wide receiver up to himself to produce. It's got to be a cumulative thing with the rest of the players. So I think Pierce has to run well, play as clean as possible. I think they could survive a turnover, but they are going to get to Herbert. They are going to get him off his spot as Desmond King said that's one of the big goals and I'm just worried Johnny and how do you feel because you brought this up with John McClain about the running game for the Chargers neither team has run for 100 yards yet we know that and you said are they going to play the kind of game where they're thinking so what if we can't run let's just throw it or are they going to be determined to run it knowing that the Texans have yielded some ground yards I think they will try and run it I don't think there's any question in that. You you have to. If you're the Chargers, you have to. You have to test, okay, how is this ground game, how is this run defense going to be for the Texans? We have to try it. I mean, if you didn't, then you're you're being stubborn at that point. No, 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 we just do what we do. You have to try that run game. However, this is not an offensive line that is, even from a run game perspective, as close as the Bears were. Yep. It's, it's not in the ballpark with the Broncos, nor is it in the ballpark with the Indianapolis Colts. Those teams have offensive lines that are constructed to run the football. They have top-notch interior running backs. And I think Austin Eckler can be a good interior running back. It's just that's not what he's, it's not what he's best at doing. Right. So I think they're going to try it. Hey, what can we find in the run game? But there's going to have to be a point from their side. And this, is this I think, is, I don't want to say it's a must that they go over the sideline after two or three series and look at each other and go, forget the run, which is not there. Our line can't block it. I know they're not that great, and the numbers say that they're not that great, but we can't run it against this group. Well, you hope to have a lead, too, to sort of force them into that. Absolutely. But as I say that, they have Justin Herbert, and everyone's talking about the injury. Hmm. I know it hurts, or he numbs it, or whatever, and maybe it limits him to a degree. He's still Justin Herbert. Yes. How did they get to him last year? They got some pressure on right. him with a line that I don't want to say doesn't exist because you have Dwum four. 
look, you have some of the guys, but you've got a better line this year. You have a better situation. The offensive line, and you were quick to point this out even last week, the offensive line that beat the Chargers last year really doesn't exist anymore here. So, And Quesenberry plays for the Texans now instead of the Chargers. I just think they'll be able to get some yards on the ground, get some pressure on Herbert. I'm not predicting victory because I got out of the prediction business (laughs) a long time ago. I would be surprised if the Texans don't play well. Even if they lose, I think they'll play well. They'll perform well. They'll be competitive. But man, oh man, please win. Yeah, I don't care how I don't care how that happens. But I do think, to the point I made with the general last night, they have a plan B in the run game. Yeah. Look, if the traditional outside zone, handoff inside zone, duo type stuff doesn't work, then we can go to plan B, which is. Forget trying to run it inside. Let's get Eckler out on the out in the flat. Let's get him out in the perimeter and let's throw him the ball that way. And let's run our run game that way. They, I think, will go to the short passing game as a run game. So if you can take the run game element out and force him to plan B, that's a that's a big feather in your cap. I said this last week, uh, talking to or earlier this week, talking to Lovey. It's not a great number. Not great. But in 36 carries, they gave up 140 yards, less than four yards per carry against a team that had to run the ball. Yeah, They had to run it. But it's the mistakes you made in those other four carries that killed you on that game. You can't make those type of mistakes. And that's what makes you a run defense that's last in the league at this point. You made some of those mistakes against Denver. You didn't give up the 52-yard run or the 41-yard run. But can you eliminate those mistakes to take away those big plays? And if you eliminate those mistakes against a team like the Chargers, I think you can eliminate the true handoff, toss, run game and make them into a completely and totally one-dimensional throwing football team against you. And they'll use DeAndre Carter and they'll use Keenan Allen and they'll use Eckler out of the slot or out of the slot and out of the backfield. That's where they'll get their run game from. So I think that's got to, in some sense, it's got to be a must that that's where you've got to force them into. Offensively, uh, I did Telestrator. Telestrator's great. Tyler Marcotte and the guys put that together. It's just, it, I mean, just phenomenal. I tweeted that out at Texans Voice. Go take a look at it's it. It's very, very good. Um, and at J. Harris Football, I did it as well. So you can get it from both of our accounts. Do it. So, and it's more than just the one play, but the first play of that set of four was a third down conversion in the first quarter to Chris Moore and showed you how it came about. And it really, you got a little bit of help from the Bears, but still, you made a big play in third down because your protection was good. Your routes were great. Receiver caught the ball in his hands. The ball was thrown in a spot where the receiver could catch it and turn up field and run. He had yak. And you made a big play out of that. Yeah. And that's what you have to be able to do. You got to have, I don't need 52 yards on third down all the time, but it's third and six, get eight. If it's third and one, get two. 52 yards. Yes, thank you very much. We'll take 52 yards. You mentioned the mistakes in the ground game defense for the Texans, and one of those mistakes was the field's 29-yard run, and that was a third and nine situation. If you have Herbert in third and nine, and look, they were after it. They had good coverage on that play, but they could not get to fields because whoop, whoop, and he escaped a tackle, and he's off for 29-yard scramble. Herbert will not do that. However... In half the time it took Fields to determine nobody was open, and I'm taking it for granted that nobody was, Herbert's going to find somebody. Herbert's going to force the ball in there. Now, I might throw a pick. 
He might throw an interception, but you might get to him, and you need to get to him in this game. You need to hit him. You need to make him feel it. You need the fans on your side. You need to get everybody going. Everybody wants you to succeed. They want to have a big party at NRG Stadium on Sunday. Let's do it. Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah. Because you brought it up, and I've thought about this. Back in the day, when J.J. was in the building, the building would stay sort of quiet, but J.J. did something early in the game, or whenever J.J. did something, the crowd went to a fever pitch. Mm -hmm. What player or group or event sets the stadium off now? Who, Who is it? Is it Pierce? Is it a run by Pierce? Is it sack? I think it's the young guys. It's the young guys making plays. I mean, everybody yeah. loves a score no matter how you get it. Yeah. But if Pierce does something, if Petrie does something, if Stingley does something, that's big. Everybody knows those guys, and they want them to be successful. And if they make a big play or two or three or more, they're going to go nuts for those players. Yeah. You know, And they want – Look, they want Mills to succeed. Mills, he's the starting quarterback for an NFL team right now. He's going to get a ton of heat if you do not win games. I don't care what stage he's at. It is development. That just goes with the territory. And they can be patient all they want because it's their prerogative. And they need to be because he does need time and opportunity to develop. This is the opportunity. And he'll try his best to get better every week. I thought he did throw the ball better last week overall. (laughs) <laughs> like love you, I sound like Lovey now. You can't take away the picks, but aside from the picks, <laughs> right? Uh, he did make some throws last week. He did make some plays. He's got to make a lot more. He's got to make winning plays. Tell him it's the third quarter when it's the fourth quarter. Say no. Nope. You know, I'm going to talk to Gavin Gert, who operates the video board. Just put a three up there. Just leave the three up there. Yeah, just say, uh, or yeah, just run the clock like, hey, I thought it was the fourth. No, it's no. the third quarter, Third Davis. quarter. Third quarter. Keep playing. Nothing to see here. We got another 15 after this. Keep playing. Uh, of course, the Chargers might have something to say about that at the time, so I'm not sure what to do. Uh, look, I, I think it's the young guys. Don't you? Don't you think I it's think the so. young guys who are going to get the crowd going? Special teams as well. Yeah. You know, it's a knowledgeable football crowd. This is Texas. Mm-hmm. When Frank Ross's bunch makes a play, oh, yeah. And they, Johnny, they are so close. Against the Colts, that ball's on the ground that they punted to Naheem Hines. They recover it. They kick yep. a field goal. They win the game. Can you imagine if that uh, happened? The celebration that would ensue if you recover that ball and you're just chipping a shot in there for a win on opening day against your nemesis, that would have been something. But it bounced right back to them. Think about the Bears. Ball on the ground. Fields. Can't get to it. Those kinds of things just haven't been going the Texans' way. They're due. Let's get it. Yeah, let's get the win. Coming up next, I will give you my keys to win over these Los Angeles Chargers, just like last year, doing it again this year. That's next on Texans All Access. Yes. Yes. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. I'm glad to be with you. And now it's time to get down to brass tacks, baby. Let's talk about this game against the Chargers. It is the... Final day of a really cool weekend of sports. You got Tulane Houston going on right now in college football over at TDECU. Saturday, that's tonight. Fr- Saturday, you've got Battle of Piney Woods over at NRG Stadium. Stephen F. Austin taking on Sam Houston for maybe the last time. It's sad to say, maybe the last time. And then finally on Sunday, you got NFL, Texans and Chargers. Of course, tonight you got all kinds of high school football that I know you're going to, which is very, very cool as well. 
But to get to the matchup at hand, that's the Chargers and the Texans on Sunday. So it's time for Keys to the Game. This is the segment. I do it each and every week. But to get started, I need my music. And there it is. Now, let's get into this. For the Texans' defense, and there have been some changes even since I put together my Know Your Foe article. The Chargers are averaging 59 yards per game on the ground. We talked about that a little bit with Mark earlier. I don't want to spend too, too much time on that. 32nd in the NFL. Most second in the NFL. I mean, it is the, the good, the bad, the poor, the rich, the better, the worse, whatever. But passing game, good. 297, second in the league. Running game, 59 yards per game. That's 32nd. They're 11th overall in total offense with 356 yards per game. Three turnovers lost. I think they're even uh, turnover margin, if I remember correctly. Yeah, three and three. So they're even. All right. There have been some changes on this offense, and it really pertains to the number one key. My number one key, and I went with a little alliteration on this, was Keenan's craftiness. And that had to do with Keenan Allen. However, Keenan will not be playing in this game. So there are a couple things that work. Number one, last year, there was no Mike Williams. But there was Keenan Allen. And Keenan in that game only had four catches for 35 yards. So he wasn't a massive impact. Then again, you still had to account for him. But he is out with a hamstring. And I think Keenan Allen is one of the more underrated receivers. As I wrote my Know Your Foe article, you could see my gushing about Keenan Allen because I love him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's everything you want in a receiver. Route running is pristine. Hands are great. Cocky, confident. Thinks he's the best player in the league. I love all that about him. But he will not play. And I love that for this game. Hopefully, Keenan can get better and, and play against the other AFC South teams, but he won't play against this AFC South team. That is a key. Whether he played or not, it was going to be a key because he is that good. So let's get to number two, Austin's area. I'm going with alliteration, so go with it. Austin's Austin Eckler. And we talked about this in the first segment, so I won't belabor this point. The point being, the Chargers' run game is not good. The Texans' run defense is not great. I think, and I'll get to number three here because this is where I'm going to expand kind of the whole thing because there's been some changes up front. But up front, I don't think that group is going to be able to move and excel moving the Texans off the ball so the run game gets going. I think the Chargers are going to have to take Eckler out to the outside. And that actually is not great news. Because Eckler out in space, I think, can be trouble. Tackling has been better. It's not been pristine for the Texans' defense. It's got to be on point against Eckler. Because he'll take a two-yard catch, turn it into 12. He'll take a three-yard catch, turn it into 30. You've got to tackle in space, and Eckler out in space is a problem. Now, like I said earlier, I think the Chargers will try it. They'd be dumb not to. Let's... Let's try this. Let's run at them and see what happens. And I think they're going to get stuffed a little bit and then get rid of it early and just make it a throwing game. It's kind of my hunch. Let's get to number three. I called it edge excitement, question mark. And this is why I said, uh, said it that way. First of all, it's alliteration, so I went with it. Secondly, there is no Rashawn Slater in this game. Now, he played last year as a rookie. He was an all-pro as a rookie. Pro Bowler, everything you, the Chargers wanted, left tackle protecting Justin Herbert. But he is out. I think it's a biceps that he's out with. But anyway, he's out. He's on IR. Same as Joey Bosa. We'll get to him in a second. So there's no Slater. 
So the Chargers will take Jamari Sawyer, rookie from Georgia, and put him over at left tackle. Now, that's both good and bad. The, the good for the Texans is he's a rookie. He's never played left tackle, not in the league. That's been Rashawn Slater's job. He's going to start for the first time. He is the starting left tackle. So that means the Chargers offense line has not one but two rookies with Zion Johnson at guard. And he got beat up a little bit last week against the Jaguars. So you got two rookies on, an, on that offensive front. Corey Lindsley's center is banged up. So if that's Will Clapp, that's another guy that doesn't have a ton of experience. So you're talking about a really banged up offensive line. Now that is inexperienced. So with Sawyer over at the left side, there was talk when he was coming out of the draft to see a tackle as a guard. Here's the bad news, I guess. I, I loved him. I had him in the Harris 100. He ended up going, I think, in the fifth round. I think he can play tackle. I think he can play guard. I think eventually he's a guard. I think you put Zion Johnson in one guard and put him at the other guard. You're great because you'll get Slater back, um, and eventually you're going to have to make a decision whether Sawyer is a guard or a tackle. But I think you put him at guard with Zion Johnson, and those are your guards for the next how many ever years, and then go find your right tackle going forward. But that's not the case this week. He's going to be playing left tackle. Who's ever coming off that edge has got to come hard and throw him throw the book at him. Everything you've got, rips, ghosts, spins, speed rips, swipes, stab moves, I mean, whatever you got in the arsenal, you got to throw it at the rookie and see what he can handle. They're probably going to give him a lot of help. A lot of help. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Levy Smith game plan the other side. Take Grenard or your best rusher and go one-on-one, and then they'll bring some help. The other rusher's got to win. So they got to make decisions. Is it to help Jamari Sawyer, or is it to help against a particular Texans defender? When Sawyer's one-on-one, that defender has to win all day. Now, that might help them in the run game, but in the pass game, that's where the Texans have got to take advantage of Jamari Sawyer over there at left tackle. All right, let's go over to the other side of the ball, Chargers defense. Last year, Texas had 189 rushing yards against them. That won't happen this year, I don't think. They are giving up 103. That's a remarkable change. They went out and found players to help get that number from 189 down to 103. They gave up a little bit in the past game, 248 to 20th in the league. They've generated three turnovers. They've added Khalil Mack to the outside. But let's get to the first key because this is the subtraction, and that is Joey Bosa. Bosa is now out for the second consecutive year against the Texans, and that's not good for the Chargers because Mack now becomes the focus. He becomes the absolute focus. Chip him, double, tight ends, I don't care. Khalil Mack cannot wreck the game. Again, when a team has good edge rushers like Robert Quinn, I'm okay leaving Laramie Tunsil over there. One-on-one. I don't know how often the Bears will do or the, excuse me, the Chargers will do that. But one-on-one, I'm probably not going to need as much help over there on Khalil. I can maybe help Titus if I need to. But if Mack is on Titus, give him help. There's nothing wrong with that. You just got to make sure that Davis Mills is upright to throw against this secondary. Number two, Derwin's dominance. Derwin James, number three, you'll see him all over the field. And I love the fact he's wearing number three because that was his college number. I could track him a little bit better. Last year, I watched him on the sidelines, and I thought he was going to go in the game, and he never did. And that was a big factor. But when James is on the field, you got to know what he could possibly be doing. If he's near the line of scrimmage, does that mean he's blitzing? Is he covering a slot? If he's away from the line of scrimmage, is he going middle of the field? Is he dropping down? Is he buzzing down? What are they doing with Derwin James? Texans have got to know. And finally... This one actually has to do with the Texans. But it's a key to this one against the Chargers defense, and that is Brandon Cooks. Brandon's got to go off. 
We need that game from Brandon. And I go back to 2020, week four against the Vikings. Brandon had no catches, none. And he didn't have no catches against the Bears, but he had a lot more targets than he had receptions. He's got to have that game. He's got to have the nine for 145 and a touchdown. He's got to have a Brandon Cooks-like game. That'll get Davis going. That'll get this offense going. It'll get these fans juiced up. We need Brandon Cooks. I don't want to call it a comeback. I did because it's alliteration in my Know Your Foe article. But we need him to really have that Brandon Cooks-style game. And if he does, Texans have a great shot to win this game. Now, a guy who had a great game last year against the Chargers was Rex Rex Burkett. He's got an event coming up for a cause you're definitely going to want to listen to. That's next on Texans All Access. Hey, we got a lot of fans out there today, but I've got to give some props to today's biggest Houston fan, Daikin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future. Reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, DaikinLovesHouston.com. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Love me some Daikin. So we had to kick off this segment with a little help from our friends one of our friends is Rex Burkhead. Now, Rex has got a really cool event coming up on October 10th. So we had the opportunity to sit down with Rex and talk about that event, what it means to him, why he's doing it, and what the event is all about. So here we go. Myself, Mark Vandermeer, and running back Rex Burkhead. Rex, I know you have a big event coming up, so let's get to that right now. The Team Jack Foundation this is something that started at Nebraska, correct? Correct. Yes. All right, so so give us the history, Rex, for those who don't know about the Team Jack Foundation and what it's all about and your involvement. Yeah, so I met Jack uh, my junior year at Nebraska. He had just been diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor, and uh, it's kind of a make-a-wish deal for his family. Um, you know, it was for, he wanted to come up to the stadium uh, meet some players and kind of just, you know, get a tour. And so that's what I did. Um, you know, met with him and his family, had lunch that day, gave him a tour of the stadium. And uh, we kept in touch after that. I want to check up on him, see how he was doing, and, uh, you know, invite him out to a practice. And then uh, Coach Pelini was kind enough to invite him out to a game. And uh, it was against Ohio State. He had him up in the suite. And, you know, Jack was kind of becoming known at that time, becoming another teammate on the team. And, um, you know, the announcers, the commentators did a big kind of story on him. And that's when Team Jack kind of took off. And uh, next thing you know, it, he's scoring a, a touchdown at the spring game and, you know, get an SB award for moment of the year for that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it was kind of crazy. And then the foundations just took off and, you know, raised almost $10 million now for pediatric brain cancer. Rex, we talk about things going viral and that was one of the moments I remember when going viral was first out, was seeing Jack score that touchdown. 
What was that like for you as a player and for the rest of the, the Cornhuskers to see that happen and see kind of the joy of what he was going through at that moment? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. You know, I had uh, just graduated, but I was down there on the sideline videotaping the whole thing on my phone and um, just seeing all the players. Like, I remember on the sideline, Taylor Martinez, like, telling them, hey, you know, the ball's going this way. Right, you know, right. trying to show them the play. They're writing yeah. it down or whatever. And all I could think was like, oh, man, someone don't trip him or run him over or something. <laughs> like, just get out of his way, let him score. And so, uh, I mean, there went a dry eye in the stands on the field yeah. that whole day. I mean, it was just a special moment and uh, just a joy to see. You know, that's kind of every Nebraska boy's dream is to score a touchdown. You know, sure. Memorial yeah. Stadium. So Sure. They, they need some. They need a lot more touchdowns, yeah. don't they? <laughs> uh, Rex Burkhead joining us. So you have your Team Jack Foundation event coming up October 10th. And tell us about the event. What are you going to do? Yeah. So it's a top, it's a top golf uh, here in the Katy area. And uh, we're going to have a little tournament, you know, going on to make Ooh. it some, a little competitive and fun. But a bunch of players are coming out to play in it. Um, we're going to have an auction as well going on. And so, uh, yeah, you can you can be a sponsor, you can donate, you know, however you want to help out. If you go to teamjackfoundation.org, there's more information there on it. Uh, but it should be a great night, you know, much needed uh, funding uh, for pediatric brain cancer research, a lot of treatment options over 30 years old for these kids. And so uh, just a cool event to, you know, help promote the disease, get it out there and uh, raise some money. Rex, why why did it matter to you to keep it going all this time what 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 has struck you I mean obviously you know Jack is what well, you said you were in college but yet you've stayed with the event you've you're doing this event now to help that foundation what why stick with it for so many for so long what is what has really struck you about that particular yeah instance? of course my connection with the Hoffman family um is definitely there and you know also just you know learning more about the disease you know like I said a lot of these treatment options um you know the first chemotherapy treatment for these kids is over 30 years old yeah. and it's a it's considered a rare disease so it's not heavily funded by the government uh so it needs as much you know funding and awareness it can get and uh it's kind of crazy in nebraska it has the highest per capita uh rate of pediatric brain cancer really? which is this very strange um and brain cancer is the number one um you know um uh, cause of death um uh, for cancer yeah. for kids so um, you know, just trying to do whatever I can with it. We got a bunch of guys uh, from my class at Nebraska who are still a part of it, do events, you know, in their hometowns and back in Lincoln. So um, it's, it's special, um, something that, you know, is near and dear to my heart, and I just want to help in whatever way I can. So the event is at Top Golf. Rex, have you been there, and how is your golf game? I, I have been there. Uh, we actually we had a team event there in the spring a little bit. Um, it is decent, you know, um, you know, I try to compete compete with some of these guys on the team. Kaimi is probably the best golfer on All the right. team. Oh yeah. So, no surprise. Yeah. Um, you know, not too bad. Okay. <laughs> we kind of assume that because he told us that the other day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but who would be, who would be in the neighborhood? Because you know, the kickers and the pitchers. Yes. Kickers and pitchers are always pro they're gonna be pretty good. Quarterbacks yeah. got more time on their hands. Yeah. Or putters. Well, but but Cameron Johnston really hasn't played, yeah, right? He played. Yeah. No, he's not. Who else who else qualifies? Yeah. So like you said, quarterbacks, Davis and, mm. and Kyle Allen, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, Kyle grew up in Scottsdale, you know, Arizona yeah. guy. So yeah. he's pretty good. Weeks isn't bad either. No another specialist, specialist, you know. <laughs> Most likely so. to throw a golf club. <laughs> Most likely to throw a golf yes. club. Oh, man. It's got to be someone on the defense. Yeah, I don't of know course. who it would be, but it got to be a defensive guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think who that would be. Who would be the first one to throw a club? 
Jerry, maybe? I don't know, but Jerry, you know, Fort Bend I mean, County. sweetheart. Probably I mean, played some golf. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> October 10th, though. All right, we'll get back to that. So, Rex, tell us, as a veteran, how do you keep the team sort of settled down here, focused week to week? You haven't gotten the results for the hard work. You're right there, but not able to close in the fourth quarter. What do you make of it? Yeah, just, you know, watch the tape, learn from the mistakes we've made, keep going forward. Um, you know, it's tough. It's been a tough past three games, just the way it's played out, you know, tying the first game, you know, going out to Denver, you know, playing well early on, and then them coming out with the win, and then Chicago, you know, playing in another close game. And so uh, just trying to find, you know, get over that hump, trying to find a way to close it out. And, um, you know, for us offensively, just finish some, some drives off, um, you know, taking advantage of when the defense does make a big play, get a turnover, you know, Petrie, of course, with two interceptions, like, you know, converting on those opportunities. So um, we're going to watch the film. We're going to make corrections, um, but also look at the good things we did and uh, just keep building off of that. Rex, as a veteran, is it more important to be a leader through verbal action or through the work you do on the field? Kind of a, I don't want to say quiet leader, but it, or or is it got to be somebody that's both? Hey, I'm going to tell you I'm going to do it, then I'm going to show you that I'm going to go do it. What's more important kind of yeah. at this point when you're trying to get that first win and get on track? Right, yeah. Uh, like you said, it, it's definitely both, but I think first and foremost, it's got to be what you do on the field and you know not just on the field, but in the locker room, right, how you right. carry yourself, your focus, your attitude, um, you know, in meetings as well, just staying locked in, asking yeah. the right questions. And so... When you do that and the young guys see that, then it kind of is like, okay, this is the mindset I need to have when I take the field. And so um, that's what I try to do to the best of my abilities. And uh, when something needs to be said, you know, I have to step in and do that as well. Rex, you've worked with a lot of different running backs throughout your career. You're in your 10th year here. What do you make of Damian Pierce and where he's at right now and where he can go from here? Yeah. Oh, man, the sky's the limit for him. He's he's playing tremendous. Um, you know, as far as running the ball, he's finishing runs with a lot of energy, you know, breaking tackles, making guys miss. Um, and I think he can only go up. He's starting to really get it down mentally as well, which is huge. You know, he was – little down on the, the fumbles but mm -hmm. he came back in and you know played pretty well and so just trying to you know mentor him on that be like hey next play you gotta have a short memory and stuff right. and so you know he had that first one that went in there and got a touchdown right after that and had some great runs so um you know he's he's gonna be a great player for many years in this league and you know i'm just trying to mentor him in whatever way i can rex this is maybe more a comment than a question but when you're you're playing the same position, obviously it's competitive. I mean, you want as many carries as anybody. You want to be out there making the plays. But I've seen when Damian does do something and he gets in the end zone, you're one of the first ones to greet him or celebrate with him when he comes off the field. And I would imagine that's got to be hugely valuable to him to see that coming from you. Do you sense that? I mean, I mean that it's always felt like you've been that kind of player from days of Nebraska back to Plano, et cetera. But do you sense that sort of helps him? Are you doing that for him? Or is that just your natural excitement for him coming out when you see him do good things? Yeah, it's just kind of natural, honestly. Um, you know, I just – I want to be a team player. And, you know, whatever way that is, um, you know, I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. And, you know, yes, we're in the same position when we compete against each other. We love, you know, going to work every single day and trying to outwork each and yeah. one another. But whenever we have success out on the field – that's when you got to be a great teammate. And so um, when you do that, you show that emotion and, you know, show that you care for one another. I think it just builds the team up. And so um, I try to do that whenever I can, not just in the running back room with, with other positions as well, defense, if I'm seeing something. So 
Um, I think being a veteran on the team, that's important to do. Rex, last year against the Chargers, you had 149 yards on 22 carries. So are you going to say to Pep, I need another 22 <laughs> minimum here in this game? How does that work? Man, I just I just want to win. I just want a, a W in the in the books. And, uh, you know, whatever uh, way we get that done, I'm happy with. All right, we went to Denver. You mentioned Denver a little while ago. I got to ask this, as a running back, how does the how did the altitude affect you? Did it affect you at all? Um, honestly, like a little bit at the beginning, maybe during warmups and yeah. stuff. Um, but after a while, you kind of get used just to play. it. I feel like. You just play. You get locked in, focused, and you don't really worry about it. Yeah. All right, you've been on the road the last two weeks. What's it going to be like to be at home in front of the NRG faithful and and get the home crowd behind you again? You know, try to grab the lead against this team and, yeah. and get that momentum going. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, you know, especially doing it here at home. You know, the Chargers got a great defense or a great team and defense, great quarterback as well. So uh, we're going to have to be ready. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to have to mash that energy from the get go and you know come out and hopefully put on a show for the fans before you go information on how people can get involved with the event, whether they want to donate or what they want to do. How can they do that, Rex? Yeah, sponsorship opportunities, donation opportunities. If they go to teamjackfoundation.org, um, they can learn more there. There's all the information on the event um, or anything else they would look, look to. All right, October 10th, Top Golf, teamjackfoundation.org. Rex, thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. There you go. Rex gave you all the pertinent information you need to be part of that event, whether you're there physically or whether you want to contribute uh, to the Team Jack Foundation. A really, really cool event that I know struck the hearts of many Nebraskans uh, when little Jack Hoffman ended up uh, having uh, cancer, pediatric cancer, cancer, and just uh, gut punch. I mean, I just think back to the moment I asked, Rex about and seeing Jack run for the end zone and just such a really cool moment and of course my son is named Jack too so uh, I always feel like when I'm talking about uh, Jack going for a touchdown against Nebraska I always look at my son my son's not a big sports fan but just you know having the son with the same name always strikes at your uh, strikes at your heart in some way shape or form so if there's anything that you can do for the foundation please find it in your heart to do so uh, for a guy who's doing a lot, and that's uh, Rex Burkhead. Monday, October 10th, out at Top Golf. Going to be a fun time. All right, we got one hour in the books with one hour left to go, and we are going to kick off that hour with a little double dip. We're going to have Behind Enemy Sidelines with D.P. Sidhu, and then we're going to have a Drew Dozen with Roy Lopez. That's next, kicking off our second hour at Texans All Access. We got one hour down and one hour left to go on this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and want to wish a happy birthday to co-founder and senior chair of the Houston Texans, the wonderful Janice McNair. Happy birthday, Mrs. McNair. Hopefully you had a great day with the family, and hopefully a birthday present will be a win on Sunday. But happy birthday to Mrs. McNair. All right, it's time to do a couple of things in this segment. We got a lot to do. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a lot, and you'll see why. We are going to go behind enemy sidelines with EP Sidhu, and we're going to do a Drew's Dozen all in the same segment. And we're going to start after a coin flip with EP Sidhu going first. She goes behind enemy sidelines with Haley Elwood, who covers the Chargers. She's the team reporter for the Chargers, and this is good stuff. Take a listen. 
It's Enemy Sidelines and joining me this week, Haley Elwood. She's a team reporter for the LA Chargers. Haley joins me whenever these two teams play each other. Haley, welcome in. Thank you so much, DP. I'm excited to be here. All right, so the Chargers, they're coming off a 38-10 loss to the Jaguars, and I feel like we were on Justin Herbert watch uh, throughout the entire game. So uh, he played all four quarters with the rib injury. How do you think the Chargers are going to handle Herbert now heading into this week's game against the Texans? Yeah, really quick. We were on Justin Herbert watch all pregame. I have never seen so many people with their iPhones out waiting, including myself at the tunnel for him to potentially walk out after an active came out. But the watch continues, if you will. The good news is that according to head coach Brandon Staley, he did not suffer any setbacks in that game. The flip side to it, he's not fully healthy. This is going to be, it's the rib cartilage fracture. It's something that's going to linger for a while, according to Staley, according to Herbert, whoever it is. And as a quarterback, when you get knocked down, when you get pushed around, I can only imagine what that feels like. So in terms of maybe his load for this week, I would assume it's probably a similar practice load to last week where he was limited for a couple days. He had a rest day or hey, if he's feeling better, maybe they ramp it up. But I think ultimately the one thing that isn't going to change is the communication. And that is one thing that Brandon Staley has been really great between himself, Justin, the athletic training staff, the medical staff, everyone working together to make sure he is ready to go and as comfortable as possible too. All right. Well, the injuries have just really been piling up for this Chargers team because aside from Justin Herbert, we saw the news Monday morning early that left tackle Rashawn Slater was out for the season. We saw Joey Bosa leave the game with a groin injury. Those are two really big, important pieces, literally big, physically big uh, yeah. pieces of the offense and defense. Who steps up in their place and how do you replace the loss of two guys like that? Those losses are huge. The loss of Slater is immense just because he came in as, as a rookie last year. He was a pro bowler, all pro. I mean, the guy just crushed it and he's so fantastic as a human being as well. So it's just gutting when that happens. But I think at that left tackle spot, they're going to look at some options in house right now. One of those is Storm Norton, who filled in for him after he went out last week. Another potentially is rookie guard tackle uh, Jamari Salyer out of Georgia. Brandon Staley said, you know, they're going to keep their options open. They're going to look in house. Hey, if it doesn't work, maybe go outside, try to find something. But the one thing that he doesn't want to do is start moving so many guys around on that offensive line. They've battled through injuries already. Corey Lindsley missed the last game with a knee injury. So Will Clapp had to step in for him. So you're just trying to keep that continuity as much as you can up front. And then as for Bosa, look to second year outside linebacker, edge rusher, Chris Rumpf to make an impact opposite Khalil Mack. You can also maybe factor in Kyle Van Noy, sort of moving him around and maybe even someone like Derwin James, depending on how creative they want to get with this defense. It might be a little bit of like a creativity by committee sort of approach here to replace a guy like Joey. Yeah, and I I want to ask about Khalil Mack, but first let's talk about Austin Eckler because I know fantasy people everywhere are wondering what is going on with Austin Eckler. He had such a big breakout season in 2021, but in the run game, he hasn't put up those same numbers. It almost seems like it's flipped and he's putting up more numbers in the receiving game. So how much of a surprise is that through the first three games for the Chargers this year? It's a huge surprise. And one of the storylines for the Chargers this entire offseason and training camp was who's the backup behind Austin Eckler. It was this competition for that second running back spot. But right now they need someone to step up first. They need someone to step up out of the gate because they're just not getting it done on the ground. Brandon Staley and offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi have said it's just been hard to establish an offensive rhythm and 
you can attribute that to maybe some of the injuries on the offensive line and some of the changes that they've had to make in games, but it just isn't clicking right now. You also get into situations like last week against the Jaguars where you have to pass. You're in passing situations because you get down. But I will say this, with a quarterback who is dealing with an injury as Justin is, you need to get that ground game going so you take the pressure off of him. So hopefully they can kind of retool. I know Austin is certainly motivated to get going. And that's something, look, it's still early on in the season, but you hope to get that right sooner than later. All right. Well, we saw a familiar face catch a touchdown last week. DeAndre Carter, he used to be the return man for the Texans. He was a receiver. Um, I know Keenan Allen's been dealing with injury, but what have you seen from Carter since he arrived uh, with the Chargers? Do you expect to see his role grow? So I do. I'll say this. He has been such a joy to get to know as a person off the field and just having conversations with him. He's accrued a lot of years in this league. So he's one of those kind of savvy veteran guys during training camp. We knew about his return prowess. He caught touchdowns almost every day and from every quarterback, whether it was Easton stick, Chase Daniel, or Justin Herbert. And he got the attention of everyone going, okay, this guy can do a little more than obviously just be a returner. But if you want to look at the impact that he has made, go to the Kansas city game in week two, the end of the game, Justin Herbert is injured. It's third and one. Herbert has green grass in front of him. He refuses to run because he's in so much pain. So he just kind of checks the ball out of bounds. So you're dealing with fourth and one. He hits DeAndre Carter straight down the middle for 35 yards on just an absolute bullet. And one of the things that I thought about when that play happened was during camp, Herbert called DeAndre Carter friendly to the quarterback. I think Brandon Staley did too. And so I had asked DeAndre, like, what does that mean when you hear that phrase? And he said, a lot of it comes down to technicality and the technique of sort of shaving and coming downhill so you don't get undercut. But I think a lot of it also comes down to maybe being a security blanket and maybe Herbert in that moment thinking, hey, this guy know, knows what to do. We have that rapport already. And so he's going to come in. I think obviously, we, you know, we'll see what happens with Keenan this week. But regardless, he sort of cemented himself as having a role in this offense. All right. Fun fact about DeAndre Carter in between his stints with uh, I, I want to say it was between Philly and San Fran. He took up substitute teaching and he was a substitute teacher. And I asked him what subjects he taught and he taught everything. I think he even helped coach the debate kids. So it was like English, math, science. I mean, I, I should have asked him, what did you not teach? But a uh, really smart guy, because then he came in and they, they were like, he's teaching other people the playbook. I said, well, yeah, he's a teacher. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. It's so cool. That's one of my favorite stories about him. And I remember I, I had asked him about that too. And he said, as much fun as it was teaching the impact that he had on those kids is something that he'll never forget. He said, he still keeps in touch with some of them. And that's just he does, so, yeah. so cool. It's just so cool to hear that because these guys, you know, you forget some of them like him who have sort of paved their way in this league and maybe gone about it not so linear. You've had to kind of divert and take these road stops and, and stops along the way. It's pretty cool though, to see it sort of pay off and, and see even how something like that can leave an impact on him. All right. Well, this off season, the chargers made some pretty big splashy moves because the AFC West just as a whole was making big splashy moves. So they added Khalil Mack and JC Jackson to the defense. How have they lived up to expectations since they've signed with the chargers? I know expectations were really high heading into the season. 
Sure. So I think you had to kind of load up right in this crazy AFC West and this division is a little different right now. I mean, it's still early than maybe we anticipated it being over the summer, but looking at JC Jackson, we've only seen him right now in week two against Kansas city. He had off season ankle surgery towards the end of camp. He's been dealing with some of the residual effects of that. He was held out of last week with what Brandon Staley called inflammation, but We'll see what that brings for him this week. Khalil Mack looked like the Khalil Mack of old in week one, man, against his former team in the Raiders. He had three sacks in that game. Once Joey Bosa went out in week three, he got a little quiet, but you know, I think he's one of those veteran presences that he, he knows what to do. You don't have to kind of worry about him. He'll get it going. But I also think some of the other offseason signings like Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Sebastian has influence and, and former ties to Brandon Staley when they were on the Rams together. Those guys have been key in making plays up front. So these guys didn't play together in the preseason. They were held out. The Chargers are one of those teams that doesn't play their starters. So they're sort of building as they go throughout the beginning of this season. And you hope, though, that these guys will kind of make some plays and, and get things going, too. All right, Haley, looking forward to the matchup. Chargers-Texans week four here at NRG Stadium. Pleasure. Can't wait to see you here in Houston. DP, thank you so much. All right, good stuff there. Haley Elwood covering the Chargers team reporter. She is essentially the DP of the Chargers, and DP is the Haley of the Texans. I don't know. Either way, you figure it out, but wonderful stuff there. Now, hardcore football stuff. Let's go completely opposite end of the spectrum. When we're talking to Drew's dozen, Drew always calls it shenanigans. So let's get into some shenanigans with Roy Lopez Jr. I can't wait to hear this one. Drew, take it away. What other sport would you be a pro in? The answer? I'm a... No, you. <laughs> what other sport could you be a pro at? I'd like to think boxing. Oh. I think the fan base of there would be pretty nuts too. So definitely boxing or, or UFC or something. Do you have any boxing? I know you're a great wrestler. I mean, you were a state champion wrestler back home in Arizona, but do you have some boxing in the background? Uh, not too much. Just, you know, here and there for fun and, and training. Uh, I got to train with Malik Collins this offseason. He's got a boxing gym, so I uh, have fun, you know, mess around. But I've, I'm just thinking what? fan base-wise. No, that's know, cool, right. but Malik Collins has a boxing gym? Yes, he does. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, Malik... You're on notice. We're coming to talk to you about this because this is fascinating. All right. What is your first memory as a child? My memory is not that great. I don't know why, but my family always makes fun of me for it. But I would think traveling to wrestling tournaments, right? Always, okay. always traveling and, you know, competing at these tournaments and cutting weight. And How old and were just, you when you were uh, I was probably five. Five yeah, and you wrestled five. at the age of five? I wrestled at like two. Like, pro- like two, three years old. Wrestling? I was, yeah, I was in there wrestling. Holy and, moly. Yeah, so I wrestled at a very young age. My parents always put that on me and always, mm-hmm. you know, always wanted me to, to strive for something, you know. So I traveled all over the country wrestling, you know, and doing national tournaments and just competing. So. Have you seen the movie Vision Quest? I haven't. I might have, but I, okay. I'm not good with names either. It's the either, only wrestling so. movie I know. It's from the 80s. Were you a Disney or Nickelodeon kid? Who actually, I was neither. I was a Disney more than Nickelodeon, but I was the youngest. I had two older sisters, and I would never get the remote. So that's a true story. <laughs> what were they so, watching? Um, <laughs> what, what were you forced to watch? MTV. MTV, you okay. know, Or, you know, when my dad got home or, or you know, they'd throw the ESPN on, you know. So I grew up on that, but I was the last person to get the remote. So <laughs> I had last choice. Fair enough. You yep. sound like somebody in my family right yep. now. Who is your celebrity lookalike? Besides the hair. Nah. 
Say it. Say it. I was going to say Dwayne Johnson. But that's the not, rock. I right, love you know, that. Like, awesome. like if I was going to get played in the movie, I'm choosing Dwayne Johnson. Right. Okay. You're going to choose yeah. Dwayne. But have you been told that somebody? No, somebody else? Never, no. Never. Never. No. But okay. I just like to think that way. The rock is. You can do a lot worse. Than I've got yeah. the closest I've got is Aquaman. You know, Aquaman. To, to being compared to somebody. <laughs> so. What's, um, it, what's his name? Chris Momoa or Momoa? Momoa. Momoa. Okay. Momoa. So I, that's that's been my comparison a few times, and then uh, the cartoon Moana. Um, Maui, <laughs> like, get compared to him too. So, all right, it's the hair. Okay, yeah. I'll go with that. Those are not bad. What is your most used time. emoji? It's between laughing face or a blue heart. You know, I never. I used to always use the red heart, but my mom explained a blue heart. What's um, the deal? What's something the like, um, like proud or something like that. I read about it a long time ago, but a blue heart stands for being proud and. Something like that, and also her being a police officer, yeah, you know, yeah, the blue yeah. stripe. So we kind of just use the blue heart in our family. Favorite social media platform? Instagram. How yeah. much? How often are you on Instagram? So I got, you know, at the end of the week, the iPhone will send you. Mm-hmm. Uh, to shame you, basically. Yeah, yeah, time, right. Last week it was really low, but. Good, good for you. Yeah, most hours spent on were um, Instagram. Instagram? Yeah. Okay, so, fair enough. Yeah, hey. I, you go to the explore page, it's a lot of, like, highlights and yeah. things like that. So. Oh, there's something for everybody on Instagram. Yep. You know, I can't lose this because my family will make fun of me. Because all we do when we get together is play card games and games. Best concert you have been to is crazy. Um, best concert I've been to is Chris Brown for Fetty Wap. I was in high school, it was the first concert. I went for Fetty Wap. But Chris Brown showed up, Fetty Wap didn't. And Chris Brown killed it, right? Wow. He's dancing, he's doing the thing, you right. know, so. The what thing? You know, the dance is moving on. I'm looking around trying not to I go too you. crazy, but to this day, Chris Brown is. That's it's pretty yeah. good. Let's uh, rewind. You said you, you and your family play a lot of games. Yes. What, what are some of the games, card games, this type of game? What, what were y'all playing? Yeah, we'll do, we'll do card games. We'll play Uno, uh, mm-hmm. Gin Rummy, Jenga. What's the uh, Connect Four? Oh, yeah. We do those a lot, um, but we'll, do, we'll play hours. Lots of trash talk? Always. Is there Always. somebody who dominates above all the rest? or Me. So if I ask the same question of your sister, 100%. would she say that you dominate or would she say that she dominates? No, they'll say me. They say you. They, okay, they, they the get mad that I win a lot. You're it's either good. me and my dad. and my, Me and my dad are the ones that talk the most smack. So, okay. Um, my nana's pretty good, too. So It's the wisdom. She's seen it all. Right. You know? She thinks she's got every game plan, but... We don't let her. We she don't. sounds like my one of my, my nan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was a heck of a card player, so I yeah. like it. Shout out Nana. Yeah. <laughs> Which teammate could play on the other side of the ball? Mm. You've got one that has done both, Tremont Smith. Oh, but I don't right, want to answer right, for you. Right. I, that's an easy answer. Yeah. Somebody else other than him. We're gonna go D line because that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll probably go. Rasheen Green used to play offensive line, but we're gonna go skill position. We'll probably go with Jonathan Gennard. Okay. I think he's got. I don't know. Malik Collins got a twist to him too. Another wrestler. So Malik Collins could probably run the ball pretty well. You seen his spin move? If you haven't, yeah. throw a clip up of Malik's spin moves. Okay, boom. But yeah, Malik's spin move with the ball or Jonathan Grenard, he's probably a good receiver, tight end guy. Okay. Uh, plays physical, fast, and, and can bend really well. So it's my guess. It's a good guess. Let's role play here for a second. Pretend. Dire situation, AFC title game, got to get to the Super Bowl. There's some injuries that are going on, and I'm a coach coming in over to you from the offense. Hey, Roy, we need you to get in the game on offense at? Fullback. Go, Roy. I'm going to get DP in the end zone. I don't need the ball, coach. I already told Pep I don't need the ball. 
I don't need the ball at all. I'll get right there. So Roy I'm Lopez get DP in the end zone. and Damian Pierce get in the end zone. That's a lot of punishment for the offense yeah. or for the defense. Yeah. What is your spirit animal? I'm a chill guy outside of this building. So It's like a koala? Right. That's what I was thinking, but that seemed a little soft. But, you know, I like – they don't really have a hard side to them. Um, I'm thinking um, – I don't associate you with koala, right. for the record. Right. Like a lion? You know, whenever you, whenever you go see a lion at the zoo. They're sleeping. They're sleeping. They're in the shade. Or like or like a gorilla. You know, yeah. you see them, they're always in the shade, sleeping, just knocked yeah. out. You know, so. But when it's time to eat, you know, they, they're going to come out. They're not sleeping know, so. then, no. man. That's for sure. No. All right. What do we got here? Oh, this one kid. Easily. All right. Who's your favorite NFL player growing up? It is between LaDainian Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. And Sean Merriman, both okay. of them. Yeah, so which is crazy because we're playing the Chargers this week. Yeah, but yeah, I like the LT right, right after right. he scored, and then Sean Merriman had the celebration also. You know, yeah, he and the, he grew up the, in the Phoenix area, so yeah. he's not. You're it's not like he grew up in San Diego, right? Like, right. Like in the Chargers. Um, so I had a cousin stuff. that liked the Chargers, and I uh-huh. and he was older than me, so it was kind of like I just you know, took it from him type thing. But Danny Thompson celebration for That's sure. Good one. That's a good one. Who has the cleanest locker on the team? I know who doesn't. Who's that? I, well, I just saw it, so it's on my mind. Rasheem Green. Um, <laughs> telling on you, Rasheem. Number 92. Yeah. <laughs> on, on, uh, yeah, you're on notice. We were literally talking about it on the way here. But What would your walk-up song be if you were a baseball player? Vicente Fernandez song called El Rey. It has uh-huh. trumpets on it. And I try to convince the team here. El Rey, you know, the king. Run it. You know, so... Um, have you seen the walkout song for the Mez guy? Yeah, He's yeah, got yeah, the yeah, trumpets yeah, also. So Did you see when the guy that actually pl- when he right, came in played right. it? Yeah, that was and, awesome. And uh, I was watching that game for some reason too. You know, I don't we you just, just caught it. And, yeah, and it yeah. was it was pretty cool. So That is awesome. Oh boy. Brunch with Jay-Z or 500,000? We're going to 500,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's a business decision. Yeah. You, it's not nothing against you Jay-Z, but 500,000 is 500,000, right? <laughs> Who has the best hair on the team? It's not even close. Yeah, yeah it's not even close. You were, uh, you were the winner last week with that question. 100%. Okay. Favorite nickname? Growing up, my nickname was Champ, and they still call me Champ. My family okay. calls me Champ. So, assuming it came from wrestling, you know, I'd win tournaments and they called me Champ. Uh, Champ and Tank were my nicknames growing up. So Love those. Those are great. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Who do you think had the highest SAT or ACT score on the team back uh, getting into college? Thomas Booker. I could see that. He's a Stanford guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you guys haven't talked to Thomas Booker, you try. Feel smarter talking to Thomas Booker? No. You don't feel smarter <laughs> talking to Thomas Booker? No. So right. if you haven't, you should try. And if you haven't had him yet to talk, get him on there so you guys can understand what um, we've not done jingle but we've done a drews dozen he's yeah, yeah he's got some interesting things yeah. that's for sure yeah, that's for sure so i say i say uh thomas booker okay this is just favorite cheat meal oh that's easy what is it we're going tacos uh-huh what type of tacos shredded okay sure. shredded beef shredded beef or uh-huh. carne asada or with uh enchiladas what are you putting on them? I put I eat both. So it's usually like tacos and beans and rice, mm-hmm. or it's like enchiladas and beans and rice. No, it's tacos, enchiladas, beans and rice. Any sort of salsa or anything, or pico de gallo, oh, yeah. queso? Onions, onions, salsa. I, I dress it up. Load it up. Yeah. yeah. But Fair. homemade, homemade tacos. Your mom, your mom or Nana, or both? Both. Okay. Um, Nana, mom, my lady. My sisters make good tacos, yeah. so it's... Man, you're covered. You're, you're set, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's that was good. That was part of the criteria. <laughs> you know, if you're going to spend some time with me, you got High bar, too. 100%. Yeah. Can't, just, can't just shuffle in. 100%. And-
Favorite potato chip flavor? Favorite potato chip flavor. We're going regular Lay's, yellow bag. I mean, seriously, is there any other choice? I mean, Lay's yellow bag. I mean, you, you have to. I mean, it's okay. It, oh, it's boring. Like, look, I've tried all the other Lay's chips. And in fact, okay, uh, stop me there. The, and I can't, I think it was Lay's. Lay's did a Cheetos flavored Lay's chip. Now that was good. Cheese chips, I'm okay with. But the regular old Lay's, they, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Totally cool. You know what's also cool with that? My dogs. We have a thing called chip time. And it, whenever I say chip time, they know what that means. And that is, Dad gets about two or three chips, and then they get one each. And then I get about two, three chips, they get one each. They love chip time, and they love the Lays, just like Roy. Just like Roy. Now, there are a ton of games going on this weekend outside of Chargers, Texans, and we had one last night with the Bengals beating up on the Miami Dolphins. I would have gotten that one right, had that one called, called it last night on Thursday night. All access. What else? We got 15 other games. Well, minus one with the Texans, Chargers, because I never picked that one. So there's 14 games. I'm going to pick them all straight up and against the spread for fun. Next, right here in Texans All Access. In Texans All Access. In Texans All Access. Oh, we've gotten to my favorite part of the show. I get to put it on wax, as they say. In other words, put it down, write it in pen, and see how I do. Yes, it's predictions time. Straight up and against the spread for fun. It's a great way to go around the NFL. And as I go around the NFL, a reminder that Houston Food Bank, the Houston Texans, and Whataburger are all teaming up to make things right as it pertains to one of the biggest issues in Houston, and that is hunger. Houston area hunger is a major issue, and those three are teaming up. And all you got to do is donate a dollar next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank, and you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 10th, give a buck and be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. Now, my predictions, that's my way of going around the NFL. So we got 14 games. I need my music. There it is. And now it's time to rock. We have got to move. A lot to do in a short amount of time. On Sunday... At 8.30 over in London, England, the Vikings are taking on the Saints. The Saints are kind of a mess, to be honest. And I don't know that I trust the Vikings all that much either. But good win last week come from behind against the Detroit Lions. 2-1 and one for the Vikings, 1-2 for the Saints. I'm just not trusting the Saints right now. Minnesota's favored by three. I guess that's what you get for being over in London. I think Minnesota is the better team by three. I think it's right on. I'm going to go Vikings win and cover that. We win by seven. Let's go 24-17. Vikings win that in London. Let's get to our noon games. Browns taking on the Falcons. This one's about even. It's over in Atlanta. The Browns are 2-1, and one, and they're coming off that Thursday night win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland, Cleveland's favored by one. So it's basically a pick em in Atlanta. And you know what? Because I have a really hard time going against my heart in my head, I'm going to pick the Falcons. I want the Falcons to do a number on the Browns. The Falcons went out to Seattle, got that win in Seattle, came back home to play the Browns. So I'm going to go Falcons in a mild upset. Mild upset. You would think, from a power ranking standpoint, it's a big upset. But it's really just a one-point spread. So I'm going to go Falcons to win 
which is a little bit of a mild upset with only a one-point spread. Commanders going to the Cowboys. I don't know what to make of the Commanders, but it's Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. They got a Monday night win over the Giants coming back home. I think the Cowboys will get this. They're favored by three at home. So Vegas thinks Dallas and the Commanders are even. I don't. Cowboys win that by at least a touchdown. Seahawks go to take on the Detroit Lions. Detroit's favored by three and a half at home. The Lions have played some good ball. Lost by three first week. Lost by four last week. In between, they beat the Commanders at home. I think the Lions will go back home and win, beating up the Seahawks, winning this thing by 10. Let's go 20. Check that. 31-21 Seahawks over the uh, I'm sorry Leon Lions over the Seahawks as the Lions cover that three and a half point spread Titans Colts boy I've gone back and forth on this games in Indianapolis not that that's mattered much because last year the Titans well, they got a little gift from Carson Wentz a left-handed interception two-yard return for a touchdown which essentially turned the game back in the Titans favor I don't think that happens I think last week was a galvanizing moment for the Colts you could see it on the reactions on the field and everything on the sidelines, the Colts are favored by three and a half. They will win and cover that three and a half, winning by at least four. We'll say it that way. 21-17 comes to mind. Could be 24-20, but I'm going Colts to beat Titans. Titans fall to one and three. Bears-Giants. One of these two teams, I said this last night, one of these two teams will end up three and one, unless there's a tie, which could happen. I guess I have to say that now. But I think it's going to be the G-Men. I can't see the Bears going there and throwing for 80 yards and winning that game. I think the Giants win a low-scoring game. The Giants are favored by three. Let's get the Giants a win by a touchdown. Let's go 19-12. Giants over the Bears. Giants move to three and one. Sorry, Don. That's just a bad under. Just, just bad. This game could be the game of the day. At noon, 1 p.m. if you're up in Philadelphia, you're taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Eagles 3-0. Jaguars 2-1. Jaguars won two in a row. Eagles three in a row. Somebody's streak is coming to an end, even if there is a tie. Philly's favored by six and a half. I feel this is going to be a rock'em, sock'em game in the first half. I think Philly's going to have some trouble running the ball against Jacksonville. It's number one run defense in the league. I think Philly has trouble running it against Jacksonville. However, when they do decide to throw, I think they will protect Jalen Hurts, and he will get it going to his perimeter studs, and that will be the difference. Let's go 34-27. 34-27, Eagles get the win and cover that six and a half. Jets see Zach Wilson start for the first time all year, taking on the Steelers, still rolling with Mitchell Trubisky. At what point will it be Kenny Pickett? Well, maybe not after this one. Steelers are fair by three and a half. That's probably about right. I was thinking three to four, and it splits the difference. So let's go Steelers to win this, but let's go Jets to cover. Get inside that three and a half. You got three and a hook. So 2017, 17-14, a Steelers win is a Jets cover. So let's do that. Steelers to win, Jets to cover. This, I think, is my non-Chargers-Texan favorite game of the day. 2018 quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen's gotten paid. He says Lamar Jackson should be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. To which Lamar was like, hey, Tell him I said thanks. That's where the niceties end in this one. Buffalo's favored by three at Baltimore. Baltimore's been, excuse me, Buffalo's been banged up. Baltimore can give up some points. I think the Bills' offense gets rolling. I think they right the errors from last week 
and the Bills end up winning this by seven. But this is not going to be an easy seven. They're going to have to fight for this one. This feels like maybe a last, last five minute, uh, like five minutes left in the game, kind of drive for a touchdown to put them up 35-28. They'll get the cover. The Bills will. And a win on the road will get them to 3-1. and one. But this is going to be a fun ball game. Cardinals and Panthers as we move into the afternoon games in Carolina. I don't trust either one of these teams as far as I can throw them. Carolina's favored by one. Essentially, it's a toss-up. Toss-up on the road. I'll go with the better team. I think, think, think that's the Cardinals. I think. Yeah, let's roll with Kyler Murray. Oh, 2017 Heisman, Baker Mayfield, 2018 Kyler Murray. Nice little Heisman-Heisman battle between the quarterbacks. I guess you could say game of the afternoon. Patriots going to Packers. I'm sure that's the Jim Nance-Tony Romo game. I don't think it'll be much of a game. When was the last time Green? Uh, I'm sorry, New England was a 10-point underdog? I don't know, 2000, 2001? Well, they're a 10-point underdog at Green Bay, and I think Green Bay's going to cover that. I think they beat the Patriots by two touchdowns. Let's give the Packers a win and a cover of that big number. Your other afternoon game that I'm sure was supposed to be a marquee game when they did the scheduling, week four Broncos Raiders. Always a battle, right? One team will be 3-0, one will be 2-1. This will be awesome. Derek Carr gets Russell Wilson. Uh, the Broncos scored 16 against us, 11 last week, but total of 27 points got them two wins. They're 2-1. The Raiders, ugh, they lost to the Chargers by five. Then they blew a 20-point lead to the Cardinals on the road. Then they blew a – well, I don't know if they blew a lead. They came back and missed a two-point conversion at the end to tie and take that thing into overtime against the Titans. So the Raiders are 0-3. But, but Las Vegas is favored by two and a half. I think this is the one the Raiders get off the schneid. I still haven't seen it from the Broncos' offense. I think the Broncos' defense, though, has been carrying that team. And they will for a while, but the Raiders will eventually put this one over the top. Let's go 23-16. Raiders win it cover at home. A lot of pressure on them to get that win. Chiefs and Bucks, it's even. And the Bucks can't score. I'm just not, I'm not buying either one of these teams, really. So let's go home team when it's even. Let's go Bucks. Over the Chiefs. Tom Brady finally gets done. Rams 49ers on Monday night. San Francisco's favored by one and a half at home. Not all the way there on the 49ers yet this year at one and two. Let's go Rams to win that um, in a little bit of an upset as their one and a half point underdog. All right, those are your predictions. Straight up and against the spread. We get back. Houston Methodist minutes could be awesome this week. Trust me. And Roy Lopez for Drew Doherty's final word. That's next on Texas All Access. All access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Glad you've stayed with me for all two hours tonight, or maybe this is your first segment. Appreciate you being here along the way. Now, we're going to get to our final word with Drew Doherty, who again is with Roy Lopez. That's the football side of things. But before we do that, Mark Vandermeer sat down with the great doctors over at Houston Methodist to talk about rib cartilage issues. This is massively important because it's what Justin Herbert is going through. Essentially, I want you to hear the interview, but essentially just know Justin Herbert's in a lot of pain, throwing the ball in a lot of pain, and every time he gets hit in that particular spot or just gets jostled, it's a lot of pain. So let's inflict even more pain with a win over the Chargers. 
But let's listen to the doctors at Houston Methodist, along with Mark Vandermeer, to get an idea of what Herbert's actually going through. Joining us now for Houston Methodist Minutes, it's Dr. Alicia Robichaux from Houston Methodist. Doctor, how's it going? All good. Doing great. All right. Well, let's talk about rib cartilage injuries, rib injuries in general, maybe. This has a lot of news around it because Justin Herbert is reportedly suffering from this. I know you're not his doctor, but tell me what they might mean with a rib cartilage injury in general. Well, you know, ribs are are fragile in a way that a lot of us um, don't normally have a helmet coming to us on a daily basis. And our football players definitely have a lot of tackles and hits. Um, that a helmet is going full force into their chest frame. Um, so the ribs, you know, are, are somewhat fragile. They do break, but they have cartilage in between the parts of the bones that wrap around the rib cage. So you can break a rib, you can have a rib contusion, which is a bruise, or you can have a cartilage injury, which is holding the rib cage together, but it can be injured just the same. Um, all of those take different times um, to recover. And they all hurt a lot, especially if you have a player or um, 12 aiming for you routinely, um, either on purpose or accident, and they're trying to get the ball. Doctor, what is the recovery time like usually for something like this? You know, so for cartilage injuries, it's going to be a lot slower because there's not as much blood supply to that area. Bones have blood supply. So bone fractures in an adult heal usually between six to eight weeks. And again, that's a normal rested bone fracture. So for someone like a football player who is throwing and catching and and twisting and turning, um, as well as taking additional hits, a rib fracture may take a lot longer than six to eight weeks. A cartilage fracture, on the other hand, has very, very minimal blood supply, and it may take three to four months on a normal injury. So for a football player, especially a good one or a quarterback that is dodging and moving, it could take four to six months for complete resolution of that pain. So if he's going to continue to play against our Texans, he's going to be uncomfortable for a while. Doctor, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. We will talk to you soon. Dr. Alicia Robichaud from Houston Methodist, HoustonMethodist.org online, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist, leading medicine. Six months. You heard what she said. You heard the good doctor say six months. If he really wants all that pain to be, well, that's six months. It's been six days. So Justin Herbert's going to be going through a little bit for a while, and he obviously is the key to the Chargers' hopes. So we'll see how it goes for him on Sunday, hoping he has the worst game of his career against the Texans in a Texan win. One of the guys that will be given the opportunity to get after Justin Herbert is a also a former Pac-12 star like Herbert, and that is Roy Lopez Jr. Now, he started, he started his career at New Mexico State, played the majority of his career at New Mexico State, but when New Mexico State, with COVID, looked like they were going to move the season, he went to Arizona. He starred for them for five games. That's all Arizona had in 2020. But it was enough to catch the Texans scouting staff eyes. He ended up in Houston, and he has been a fixture in this defensive lineup ever since. We had Drew's dozen earlier. We talked about some Lay's potato chips. Now it's time to get down to brass tacks, baby, and talk football with Drew Doherty and Roy Lopez. It's Drew Doherty's final word with the man from Arizona, Roy Lopez. Good to see you as always. Texans taking on the Chargers, and we've heard, hey, got to finish better from Lovey Smith to the assistants to you guys as a player. 
What does that mean for you? How do you have to finish better, Roy? Right. You know, it comes down to the details and, and you know, doing your job and making sure that you do it for 60 minutes, all four quarters, if not a little more. You know, so um, it's going to take all of us, every single snap, you know, every play matters. So that's something that we've reflected on and, and we hope to grow on and we look to grow on and we will grow on. You know, yeah. it's going to take all four quarters, if not another one. So um, we're excited to get it done. So. No doubt. You know, year two. What's better about you right now as a player, as opposed to maybe this time last year? Right. I think just you know being able to grow up and be more mature and understand every play is a new play and just keep rolling with the punches. Not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be fantastic road to victory. And um, just being able to strap up every week and understand, okay, I got a new opponent, and, and you can't dwell too much on the lows and you can't celebrate too much on the highs. So being able to stay right in the middle and, and keep growing. So and understand that you know, you're going to learn the whole way through this journey. You don't, you don't ever know it all. Everybody in the NFL wants to be 3-0 and right now at this point of the season. That's not the case here, but this defense is better than last year. What's better about this defense? What's, what's going well with this defense in your mind? I think, you know, we just had a lot of time to grow, and everybody on the defense we did, you know, just to learn. Last year we were all learning Lovey system, you know, and this year we, we came into the season knowing what we are going to have, and, and the rookies that are playing, you know, they're, they're balling, they're stepping up, and, and that's huge. You know, to be able to have a young guy come in, learn the playbook so fast, and, and produce is, is, is big for our defense. You know, we have our vets in the room. Kirk, I know Kirko just played his 100th career game. That's insane. Yeah. You know, just being able to see things like that is, is the, the gel of playing Jerry Hughes right next to Thomas Booker, right? You know, it's... These guys played 13 years, These guys played two games. Being able to see them gel, you know, day after day is something that I think has helped our defense a lot. Yeah, and Jerry Hughes gets some sacks. I mean, that's that's some pretty impressive stuff. Let's talk about the, the opponent you'll face. They've got two rookies that'll be starting on this offensive line, which is a pretty darn good offensive line before you take those guys, those vet veterans out. But what do you make of that front that Los Angeles brings to town? You know, they play physical, they're smart. They understand that they got a superstar quarterback and they have to get the job done. They got to protect them, you know, and, and that's their that's their whole organization over there is Justin Herbert. So they got a big job and, and to do and protect him. So I think they take pride in that. You know, they, they're very, they play as one, you know, so that's something that we got to do as a D-line also is we got to play as one to get the job done because we get paid to get after him. So he one of the best quarterbacks you've ever seen. Hundred percent. You know, you watch some of the throws he makes, and you just you turn into appreciating the game. You know, and it's like you understand how much time and effort he has put into his craft, and understanding that you know he 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 loves the game just as much as we love the game. So you guys always want to get better. You definitely want to improve the run defense. What do you see with Austin Eckler, the guys around him, as far as what you got to? Work on what you got to be wary of with that guy coming to town. Right. He's an explosive back. He has explosive plays in him, and that's what he looks for. You know, he looks for the home run ball. If not, he's going to chip away at three, four, five, six yards and, and just try to, you know, contribute to the offense. You can tell he's very unselfish. And if he's got to catch the ball 14 times, he's got to catch it. If he's got to run it 14 times, he's going to run it 14 times. So that's something that you, when you watch on film, you kind of appreciate because you understand also he loves the game. You know, there's a guy that's not going to get the ball every down, but he's still running every route hard. You know, so you understand that he loves the process. Hey, after two weeks on the road, how special is it for you as a defensive player getting back home in front of a loud crowd when you guys are out on the field in key situations? How vital is that? How valuable is that for you guys as a defense? Yeah, it's huge. Third quarter of the Colts game, even fourth quarter, early fourth quarter, crowd was crazy. Yeah. It was nuts the whole game. 
you know, just unfortunately weren't able to pull that out and ended up being a tie. But the energy in that stadium was nothing like I experienced last year, you know, and it was it was awesome to, to see the growth of just the, the team, the organization, the city of, of just coming around us. And it makes a huge difference, you know, just being able to confidence and you play with and the, the noise you hear, you know, messes with the offense. They got a few false starts yeah. that game and it all just bounces off of each other. When they say, you know, we need our fans, it's, it's the truth. You know, we really do at this level. Great to hear, Roy. Good luck on Sunday. Can't wait to talk to you again. We really appreciate the time. Yes, I appreciate you. There it is. Friday All Access, putting the books. Always love being able to say that because then it's full bore ready for Texans v. Chargers this weekend. Now, I got a little road stop, a little pit stop tomorrow at NRG Stadium. Going to be calling the Sam Houston State, Stephen F. Austin, Battle of the Piney Woods, which I'm looking forward to. I've never been in that game because we've always been out of town for that game. So, And this might be the last one. So my first one could very well be the last one, but we'll have that. Either way, game on Sunday, stone focus, man. Need it from everybody. Need it from fans, coaches, players. Last year, they went in and, and poked the bear pretty good, beating up the Chargers 41-29. Now, they got some big names out. Joey Bosa, out. Rashawn Slater, out. Keenan Allen, out. They still have Justin Herbert. They still have Khalil Mack. They still have Derwin James. This one will not be easy. It will be a 60-minute fight. Could go to 70 minutes. Last time we got together, it was 70 minutes of football and ended a tie. Now, I don't want a tie. I don't want a tie. Nobody wants a tie. So let's just walk out of there with a W. Let's just do that. And to do that, Roy Lopez has to have a big game. Thank you to him for joining us. Rex Burkett has to have a big game. Thank you to him for joining us. Lovey Smith has to have an incredibly massive game. Thanks to him for joining us. Our content team, Mark Vandermeer, DP Sitter, and Drew Doherty all joined us. Thank you to them. Haley Elwood from L.A. joined us. Thank you to her. And a great Dr. Alicia Robichaux from Houston Methodist joined us as well. I think I hit everybody, including Cynthia back in studio, but mostly you all for listening. You guys are the reason we do what we do. Couldn't do it without you. Now get in NRG Stadium early and rock that place. That's a 10 a.m. kickoff for the West Coasters. Make them feel it. Let's walk out of there with a W on Sunday. Thank you to all, and we'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.